hi, Dr. Chang. Thank you for joining us on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, really excited to learn more about your background and the new CareCom Center. I know that's going to be the focus of the, the podcast. So I think it'd be great if you could just tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we get started with the podcast. Great. Uh, well, again, thanks for having me. Um, I started my career off as a hospitalist right here at Tampa General. I actually did uh, all of my undergraduate and medical school training at the University of South Florida, which has a very tight relationship with Tampa General Hospital. So as a medical student and a resident, uh, Tampa General was one of the training sites where I practiced internal medicine. And after I finished my residency, I started with uh, the University of South Florida as what we call an academic hospitalist. So essentially, I conducted teaching rounds with residents and students while seeing patients here at the hospital. I did that for around three years uh, and then kept feeling a pull towards something bigger. And that ended up being a position at Tampa General Hospital in administration as the chief medical informatics officer. So you can kind of sum up that position as the physician that works inside of IT to help design and implement technologies that touch everyone from patients all the way to physicians and everyone in between, nurses, all of our technicians, physical therapists, et cetera. So what ended up happening is over in IT, I kept getting pulled into operational sort of issues, one of them being length of stay and flow and throughput as the medical record system. We have Epic here at TGH helps drive a lot of the functions of how a hospital actually operates. So, you know, multiple repeated times, I kept getting pulled back in operations and um, I left IT about a year ago after five years as the CMIO and uh, decided to embark on the journey to build CareCom. What, how would you say, I know, you know, every, every health system, every hospital, they all say they want to innovate, but you actually did it at Tampa General. What do you think, um, in your mind, kind of sets your facility apart from some of these other healthcare organizations out there? Is it, do you feel you're, you, you have the right structure that allows you to innovate at maybe a faster pace than some other organizations out there? We do. Uh, we actually think that that's what makes us attractive to uh, the innovative industries that are out there. So when you start looking around at the structure of the hospital, we are a tertiary quaternary referral center, which means we get the sickest patients referred from outside hospitals to us. We're also a level one trauma center, which again, draws patients from the surrounding counties that have uh, traumatic issues or injuries. And so the fact that we are a freestanding hospital, i.e. we're not owned by a larger hospital system, we are independent. We are a academic medical center uh, with uh, that strong partnership with the University of South Florida, Morsani College of Medicine. And so we're, we're also a community hospital at the same time. So almost uh, half of the activity that goes on at the hospital is driven by community physicians. So our structure, Kinds of, kind of lends itself to being extremely flexible. We don't have a large uh, bureaucracy sort of to, to navigate, to do big projects and get these things approved. Uh, and we can move relatively quickly. Uh, and in healthcare, I think that that's one of the things that we've been missing for a long time, being able to act quickly and make decisions to, to fix the current issues 
Um, you know, we have a saying here, our, our, our chief information officer used to say, you know, we, we would admire a problem for far too long here at TGH. Well, now I think we're in the era that's powered by innovation and technology, which is really pushing the envelope on doing the most innovative things in the field of medicine. Well, that's really interesting that, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I've, I've spoken with lots of different health systems and, um, I mean, based on what you've told me and based on what I've read about Tampa General, I mean, definitely seems like you over there are truly innovating um, in the in the space of healthcare and and do so at a very fast pace, just like you mentioned. Um, and you know, it, which is always difficult in healthcare too, right? You know, it, when you look at like the startup mentality, you know, move fast, break things. It's not as easy in healthcare to do things like that, right? You need to be very careful given the amount of um, patient data that's usually involved in, in big decisions and things like that. So um, I, I would really like if you could kind of go into more of the, uh, the challenges of implementing such a transformative initiative. I think everyone would be interested in hearing that. Sure. Uh, when you look at CARECOM, it's based off of people, process, and then the last piece is technology. Some of the challenges that we have here in, in our healthcare organization, and I'm sure that's the case with many others, is the, the change management procedure. Um, you know, some of the challenges we experience are just, I've always done things this specific way and they've worked. Um, but, you know, I think the argument today is, are they the most efficient uh, and the most cost effective? And, and most importantly, the safest for patients. And I think looking at any of those processes, the biggest challenge we have uh, overall from a CARECOM perspective is just driving change powered by real-time information and predictive analytics uh, to really make decision-making as easy as possible. But, you know, that, that change management piece is, is a huge part of what CARECOM does. Now, did you get the change management piece, I guess, right on the first go around when, when you're doing projects like this? I know this is kind of the first of, of its kind with, um, you know, within your organization, but that, that's another thing that has always interested me is the change management within healthcare. Um, and I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying, you know, you guys are able to move at a faster pace and things like that, but you, in order to do a project like this, you needed to get full buy-in from all the necessary stakeholders, right? Yes, and you know, I think the, 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 the key to, to CARECOM's success is really around the field of results management. Uh, prior to CARECOM, we would be dealing with monthly reports or quarterly, yearly reports, and then be reacting to design processes around trying to fix problems and then analyzing data in the past again. Uh, to, to move forward. And it's a very slow, iterative process that takes an extremely long amount of time. So what we really use CARECOM for is when we publish one of our analytic tiles, it's specifically designed around a department or a specific issue that we have here at the hospital. And in the past, the way we used to run things is, again, as I mentioned, with reports. So it, it was always lagging. There was no real-time information to make on-the-fly decisions and changes to affect cost and quality for our patients. And so you know, the biggest benefit has really been that results management piece of we're now able to keep tabs on a process that's been implemented. 
uh, in the past, what we struggled with is after we came out with something new, we would be stuck in the land of reports and data and we would get stuck because either we would revert back into the process that used to work because this new one was challenging in, in whichever way. Uh, and we would kind of revert back to old practices. Now we're in the, the state of really being real time in regards to our flexibility to change and move forward. Interesting. Now, one of the, one of the things I would also like to know, uh, Dr. Chang, is in your eyes, how do you feel the command center may evolve over the next year, all the way up to you know next five years? Great. So if you kind of describe CareCom in three main phases, the first being operational excellence and efficiency. That's really making sure that we automate all the manual processes that exist inside of a hospital. And there are so many to count. I mean, there are numerous. And so by, by automating some of these processes and giving that real-time insight and information to our team members, we're making care more efficient. It's without a doubt. We have plenty of data to show that it's actually working. And, and that's the first phase of CareCom. As we start to embark on the second phase, as a physician, it's the most exciting piece for me because it's really around safety and quality and outcomes. It's really getting to the point of that real-time data that's presented back to a bedside nurse or a physician treating a patient to really give them the data that they need to help appropriately treat patients. You know, there's one question I, I hate asking myself as a physician, and it's why didn't I know or why didn't I know sooner? Because that extra piece of information would have drastically altered the path at which I took to, to treat a patient. And what we're trying to do is answer that question for the bedside caregivers in regards to different quality metrics like sepsis and bundle compliance for treating sepsis, making sure we're pathway, uh, taking a pathway approach to treating chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or congestive heart failure. And that's, to me, the most exciting because what it really uh, amounts to is, is better outcomes, shorter length of stays, um, and really happier patients. Now, as, sorry, to kind of go on to the, that, that third phase of CareCom is really marrying the first two, operational excellence and inpatient pathways, to come together with a vision to extend those theories outside of the walls of the hospital. So how can we take an approach where we're creating potentially a hospital at home concept, really driving the cost of healthcare to the lowest uh, cost setting possible, which is home. And so being able to operationalize these things inside of a hospital gives us some experience to figure out how are we going to take this beyond the walls of the hospital to really provide better care to patients. As you, as you look at the three phases, the CARECOM, they kind of align with how physicians treat patients. If you have somebody present with acute illness, you're sort of reactive. That's the operational excellence part. We're being reactive to the problems that we're seeing. Then you, you go into the phase of being proactive. So let's say if you eat right and you exercise and you take your medicines that you're going to have a better outcome, that's being a little proactive to maybe prevent your diabetes from worsening into renal failure. The third part is really the most important piece to me, and that's actually being preventative. And that's preventing that problem from occurring in the first place. 
And so it's really interesting how, you know, the phases of care come almost perfectly align with kind of our, tr- our treatment mantra as physicians. That's really interesting. Yeah, we, you know, I feel like you hear about it even more now than you ever did this, you know, about more um, preventative care, right? You're seeing a lot of startups pop up that are solely focused on that. Um, when, when did your organization, you know, obviously you, you mentioned that was just a piece of CARECOM, but when did, when was it in your eyes you started to really place an emphasis on that? Uh, sorry, can you clarify on, on um, just the for, preventative, on preventative care? Yeah, on more, um, on honing in on preventative care. Sure. You know, it's a, it's a really difficult transition for healthcare to make. And I think some of the hospital systems out West are doing far better than we are. And, and that's actually a consequence of the payer, payer environment. When we start to look at the Southeast is relatively still strongly based in a fee for service model. So kind of the more patients I see, the more income that hospital or a physician will, will, will get. And, you know, that transition to capitation and risk and quality is really driving that perspective of being preventative. Um, And so, you know, taking at-risk arrangements, looking at accountable care organizations, looking at the bundle payment care initiative that Medicare is, is pushing, those sorts of things are helping to drive us to the preventative uh, stage and it, it's a really tough transition because it takes a lot of infrastructure and resources to fund uh, the the structure of how you are going to be a preventative healthcare organization um, and then that sort of has to be funded by the weaning off of the fee for service world so we're kind of have we kind of have you know a foot heavy in the fee for service area and we have definitely a foot in the at risk capitated payment area. And that's really kind of we're, we're leaning off of uh, off of fee for service and trying to put more weight down on the the at risk capitated arrangements, whether they be with payers or even employers. Very interesting. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. So, Dr. Chain, one of the things that um, I'm also interested in hearing, and I know a lot of healthcare professionals ask me, is you know you made that jump from strictly the, you know, the clinical side to like the clinical innovation area within healthcare. What would be your advice to professionals that were in a similar position as you were, you know, a few years ago to make that jump into being more involved with the innovation within healthcare? Right. It's a, it's a great question. You know, I think it's really based in the experiences that we have as, as both patients and consumers in almost every aspect of our life. If you look at any other industry, and this is, is, is what's so amazing about healthcare, if you look at how easy it is to do banking nowadays with apps on, on, on a smartphone or, you know, an internet connection, you can do things that you wouldn't have even imagined you could do 15 or 20 years ago. Same thing with retail, as you look at other industries, insurance, every other industry has been able to automate and, and completely change the structure of how they practice. And you, you see what ends up happening to, to brands that can't keep up with that pace. Um, you know, the closing of, uh, of Sears and, and, and those sorts of industries who were, you know, huge powerhouses but couldn't adapt 
using innovation to change. I think that is really the challenge now that that healthcare is looking towards. So, you know, I think looking at other healthcare providers, you you have to really look outside the realm of healthcare and say, how can we adapt some of those uh, innovative ideas and and ways of thinking that's kind of experience based um, for both the healthcare provider and the patient, I think is really what's spurring a lot of the innovation. It's really kind of the demand of our patients saying, we deserve better in healthcare. If you just look at how difficult it is to access healthcare in, in your own life, uh, of the difficulties of trying to get a doctor's appointment, waiting in a waiting room, it's so structured and standardized and it, it, it is sort of the expectation now but it could be so much better. And I think that's the, the, the spark that fuels innovation in healthcare is saying, you know what, it, not to say that it's broken, because if it was broken, we all wouldn't be the way we are. And, you know, we wouldn't see the great outcomes and the great stories that we hear in health, but really it could be substantially better. And to me, that is the, definitely the driver behind the innovation. One of, uh, we, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I want to go back to it real quickly because it's, again, something I hear quite a bit about how, in regards to, to change management, because that was obviously a big part of, of all of this, how do you get your, you know, beside yourself, but your other internal stakeholders to buy into changing, right? You mentioned a phrase, you know, kind of, we've always done things this way. Like, I always hear that amongst healthcare administrators, it's easy to tell who's not innovative in healthcare, right? When they, when they just say that, and then they, they don't throw out any new ideas or any, any ways to change at all. How did you, like, when you have those internal discussions, how do you get someone to think that way and then change the mindset that, no, we, we should be innovating. We should be moving forward. It, it's around two very basic concepts. It's really around listening and explaining why. So, you know, I think everyone has innovation built inside of them. They know the problems that exist on the front lines in their areas. It's being able to listen to them and hear them out and then explain why a new way of thinking or a new piece of technology or a new, a new process, how that's going to help them. Um, you know, there is some give and take, as you can imagine, in change management. Um, you're asking somebody to, to spend some more time doing an activity um, in the hope that this activity will then, an investment in time would save double the amount. It's almost like when you make an investment uh, for, your four, for your 401k. You're looking at, okay, I'm spending this money now, but the idea is that I'm saving for my future. And this small investment or large investment of time and money is going to pay off for this area, even though it may not seem like that right when that process goes live. So, you know, the, the last piece of that is, you know, listening, explaining why, but then also I think some patience is being built into it to really have them buy in and say, yes, this is the right thing to do for my team, for my patients. And once I achieve this, then that's going to save me tenfold the amount of time and money in this, this, this specific area. It's kind of the, the tenets of change management. Um, you know, that explaining why um, is, is, is very important. And then asking the converse to that. 
Um, once you present that idea, reaching out back to those stakeholders and saying, well, you know, I listened to your problems. I explained why. Can you tell me a reason why we should not do this? And that's sometimes almost as powerful as the initial why. Um, because a lot of times, if it makes sense and it's logical and it's something that's realistic to do, there never really is a large argument to why you shouldn't do it. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Dr. Chang, before we, we kind of wrap up and you tell us you know, how we can get in touch with you, um, I just have to say a word from our sponsor quickly, and then we will wrap up and um, you know, people can hear how to get in touch with you. Sure. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Block Health, B-L-O-C Health. Block Health is the credential sharing platform for healthcare professionals and organizations. Their mission is to become the single source of truth for all healthcare professional information. Sharing primary source verified documents, being able to have all of your universal common application uh, uh, you know, text transferred onto any new application, saving providers hundreds and thousands of hours over the course of their careers when they're switching positions or staying in the same position. To learn more about Block Health, visit www.blochealth.com or follow them on social media at BLOC Health. All right, Dr. Chang, um, I really appreciate having you on the podcast today. It's, it's been a real pleasure speaking with someone who's so innovative within healthcare and has taken up such a big initiative. And it, it seems like there's a lot of success so far with the new CareCom Center. And um, I look forward to staying up to date with kind of all the new, new things that happen within, within CareCom and, and what else you're doing. It, you know, if I had to guess, it, it seems like this is just the start. So that's, um, it, it's, it's been really interesting learning more about you, CareCom, and Tampa General Hospital. And really the innovative approach you all take when in regards to just healthcare innovation. Um, before we wrap up, where, where can our audience learn more about you and uh, I guess CareCom? Sure. So at tgh.org, uh, that's our website where we'll have uh, information about CareCom. We also have links to some of the press releases. When we opened up uh, our main center in August of this year, uh, there are a couple articles and links out there. Uh, there's also some information on the the governor uh, of state of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, his his um, site because he was here at, at our opening. So you know, in closure, my my email address is p c h a n g at t g h dot org, and I'd be happy to entertain any questions or if anyone wants more more in information on uh, t g h or the CareCom Center. Perfect. I will throw those in the show notes. So anyone that's interested can, can reach out there. Um, well, Dr. Chang, I really appreciate you speaking with me today. Um, I shot you over a, a LinkedIn invite, um, you know, sure. look forward to, to staying connected and um, yes. hopefully we can have you on again at some point, you know, to, you know, maybe if it's in the year or whatever, to hear new updates that have happened with CareCom and just you and your career. Um, always appreciate the, the time to, to speak with an innovator in healthcare. Sounds good. And one thing we didn't really touch on, which may be some, um, you know, for, for another day is uh, the results. 
because uh, some of the results of CARECOM are pretty astounding that we've had uh, in, our, in our infancy in just our first year. Actually, Dr. Chang, if you want to bring those up as a, as a wrap-up, I feel like that actually could be a really good last point um, for people sure, yeah, to you have just the results. Yeah. Exactly, because you, you do have your key metrics here. So, um, you know, in wrap-up, we, we've looked back at our first year of, of all the innovation and, and, and the achievements that we made with the team, uh, both in CARICOM and every single team member around the hospital. We've had some, some really exciting results in our first year. We estimate we've created around 30 beds of additional capacity at the hospital just through reduction in length of stay. And, you know, a clarifying point on that one is we don't want patients to stay shorter or longer than they need to stay. We want to hit the exact target of how long they should be here. And so as we, we look at the, all of those metrics, when we look at uh, the observed length of stay compared to the expected length of stay, we've been able to reduce uh, the excess day count by about 10,000 days. So, you know, prior to CARECOM in the year before, uh, we had 10,000 additional excess days that patients spent at TGH. And that's really where we're getting those 30 beds from is that reduction in length of stay. Uh, our team member engagement has also uh, reached a high point. Our press Ganey scores are around the 89th percentile amongst healthcare organizations like us. And so it's really exciting because I think the most important piece of CARECOM is just not for the hospital and for our, our outcomes, those are well and good, but I really am a strong believer in taking care of the team members who take care of our patients. If we give them the right tools and information to do their jobs, then we're, that, we're just that much more successful. Great. Thank you for sharing that, really appreciate it. Great, yeah, if you, uh, I'll, uh, I'll check out the LinkedIn and um, We'll go from there. I really appreciate you taking the time. This is kind of cool podcast. It's my first one, so it's kind of neat. Yeah, they're they're pretty fun. It's uh, it's a great. It's, I mean, it's just, it's as simple as a phone call, right? It's just like having a phone call, except for recording it, and it's, it's a it's a great way to get the the message about what you yourself and you know Tampa Bay General are, are doing over there. So great. Um, awesome. Hopefully, we can have you on again. And and thank you so much for for joining us on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. All right. Well, have a great Thanksgiving, okay? You as well. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you to everyone who joined us for another episode of Slice of Healthcare. Be sure to check out our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com, and follow us on social media at Slice of Healthcare on pretty much every channel except Twitter, which is at Slice of HC. If you're interested in being a guest or you know someone that would be a great guest, be sure to send us a direct message on Instagram or fill out our contact form on our website. We look forward to, bringing you continu uh, to continuing to bring you great content moving forward and can't wait for what the future holds. Thank you.